This is the SPFL 42 show covering every division in Scotland. Hello listeners, welcome back to the SBFL 42 show uh, with myself, Dr. Grant Campbell. Um, my co-host, Carl McFadden, has taken a short break this week. Um, and other guest presenter, John Bleasdale, is also uh, taking a break as well with a lot of busy things going on in their lives at the moment. However, I'm delighted uh, to be joined for a very special episode of the show uh, by a gentleman who has had a very busy last few months. He's the media manager at 4-4 Farmington Women's Football Team. He also writes about football for Not the Old Firm and, of course, Football CFB. It is the one and only David Smith. David, a warm welcome to you. Good evening, Grant. Uh, pleasure to be on. And uh, uh, many thanks for, for the introduction there. It was short and sweet, sorry. No, no worries at all. Thanks to, uh, to have you on the show. It's really, really good. I'm looking forward to hosting the show with you tonight. Uh, first of all, how have you found this uh, last few months? Because it's been very tough for us all. And obviously, uh, the women's game obviously being cut short. Um, must have been quite a frustrating time for you. Absolutely. I mean, uh, f- from January, um, it, was, it was quite a topsy-turvy few days when the announcements got made, to be honest with you, Graham, because on the Saturday night, I was covering Dundee against Bonnie Red Rose in the Scottish Cup. Fantastic game, which um, that 90th minute goal or whatever it was, was James McPake saving grace. And I'll be brutally honest with you and say, had Dundee not scored the goal that night, I think it was for Osmond Stowe, uh, I think McPake would have been showing his books yeah, uh, but on to um, and then on the following day uh, after a six-hour sleep because I didn't get in my bed till one o'clock in the morning that night through deadlines and, and various other things. So after a six-hour sleep, I was up at seven o'clock in Sunday morning on the phone to our previous head coach at the club, Ryan McConville, and uh, pretty much uh, we had a, a game against Glasgow Women. Figured everything was going to be all fine, despite the committee uh, emails and committee text messages and committee arguments as such with myself and, and other people regarding whether football was going to be continuing or not but mm-hmm. football at that time was still continuing and then out of nowhere out of the blue we got an email on the monday uh, saying the only the premiership and the championships continuing which was a huge disappointment a huge frustration for the clubs uh, beneath the championship level uh, because it would have meant that players had to go with barrel Clubs would have had to still make uh, cut costs, and yeah, uh, it would be a case for, for some managers, it would be a case of disappointment because there has been building up momentum. So, yeah, it was disappointing all around from that point of view. But for myself, it, it was also disappointing, but it, it wasn't so bad for me because I'm in the privilege where I can still go to games on a, on a freelance basis, and I've had the privilege of covering Hibs and uh, Hibs Lonsdown and various Dundee games. And, a couple of Dustin games as well in the past few months, which has been fantastic for myself. And I've just worked down productively in the, the sense that I've used it to, to improve what we do with Farmington, both on, on and off the park, but also improve improve myself because you always look at striving to improve yourself all the time and making sure you're, you're the best you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think the women's game was kind of put to one side in some respects and not given elite status like the Premiership and the Championship were in Scotland. Absolutely. I mean, if you pinpoint a, a broken an hour athletic, not that I have to say them two clubs weren't uh, keen to adapt, but if you if you compare the SWPL1 to a broken hour athletic, then uh, there's no reason why the, the women's game was pushed to one side. You're right, yeah, because a broken hour athletic, the part-time, I mean... You take Bobby Lynn that plays for both as a, as a great example of this. Bobby's a, a binman in Dundee. Uh, he could pick COVID from anywhere. 
because there's all these different uh, hygiene hazards. So, yeah, it was pushed to one side and it would have been an, an equally frustrating period for, for all clubs involved because initially when when the lockdown started with the SWPR award back in January, there was this uh, fear over the new strain. Uh, I don't know what it was called, but that was, that was the fear amongst the, the, the clubs and... But the SWF deserve huge praise for the for the fact that they've helped the clubs through this period, yes. in the sense that they've helped with the um, testing regimes that they all have to fulfil. Uh, not not just for for and that's every other club in SWPL one as well. But also, they've they've been good in terms of helping clubs throughout lockdown when it comes to mental health and, and all the, the the everyday requirements that there is nowadays during lockdown. Mm-hmm. But we're getting we're getting back in action now. Um, teams are starting to play friendlies, and uh, I think that, I think excitement's starting to build up. And I'm going to pinpoint SWPL two here because I feel they've been left behind here, in my opinion, Grant. And the aspect that if you can get SWPL one back, why can you get why can't you get SWPL two back? Because if Spartans, Forfar, and Hearts, for example, can get back, why can't Aberdeen, United, Hamilton? They're both just as capable as each other. And I'll, if I was in Emma Hunt and Stuart Bathgate's position, I would be very disappointed and very aggrieved with, with the handling of this. Not, yes. that I'm trying to, not that I'm trying to dis, disregard or disrespect the SWF here, but if I was in Emma and Stuart's uh, hot seat, I'd be, I'd be looking at it and going, we want to get back to action, we want to get up to that league as soon as possible after the consistent start we've had to the season. Dungeon 8 and Hamlet will be in that same position as well on the basis of They've, they've done well in the battle for promotion because it looks like Carberry will be a foregone conclusion for the league now. Mm-hmm. But for SWPL1, it's fantastic to see the league back and there's plenty to get excited about at both ends of the park. Yes, there's no relegation this year for, for the teams at the bottom end of the league, but it's going to be fantastic for, for all the clubs uh, involved just to get a bit of normality back in their lives. Yeah. And I've had various interviews with players and They've all pinpointed to me the fact that they've, they've not had enough normality during lockdown in, in the sense that not, they've not had that saving grace in, in terms of football. It's been go to work or work from home and then straight to straight to watching Netflix. It's not been make a 10, 15 mile journey to go to training and then a 10, 15 minute mile journey uh, to go to games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's normality for the players, mental health wise, it's brilliant for it's big for the players. Mental, um, sorry, in terms of testing, but uh, that'll be big because it will give clubs that knowledge now that it's they're not picking up COVID based on training ground activity or match day activity. They're, for example, picking it up in a shop, like going to Morrison's and touching broccoli or touching spaghetti carbonara, <laughs> just to give you an example there. Uh, so, no, um, it's brilliant that the testing's in place, and yes. It has repercussions for clubs in terms of finance, but no, it's good to see the game back. And women's football, in my opinion, is underestimated. Yes. In sense I speak to managers in the men's game and they're like, oh, women's game? What's women's game all about? Yeah. And then women's game's grown. And that Scotland's got a part to play in that through what Anna Signal and Shelley Kerr with our various international teams, but the women's game's growing. And, Glasgow City used to run away with the league dominantly, but they've had competition from the Rangers now and at a at a push Celtic. Yeah. And also you know so you can't disregard Hibs who are, who are going through a transition period at the minute. So it's gonna be very exciting. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just uh, recap on the league so far because the last round of games took place on the 13th of December, David, quite a long time ago. Uh, Spartans won 2-1 against Hearts. Um, Hibs won 3-0 against uh, the team that you're very much involved with, 4 for Farmington. Celtic had a convincing 5-0 away win against Motherwell. But the result of that December the 13th card was Rangers thrashing the defending champions, Glasgow City, 5-0. Was that a statement from Rangers, do you think? 100%. And I don't, but I'll be brutally honest with you, I don't think Glasgow City helped themselves that day. I watched the highlights before we recorded, before we came on tonight, and uh, Rangers, they did expose Glasgow City in the right areas, and the likes of your Kirsty Howitz and Sam Kerrs, they really did get in behind the Glasgow City players, and and Lee Alexander was just a, an exposed figure in that Glasgow City goal that day. But Rangers as a, as a whole, whether it was the defence, midfield or attack, they were absolutely brilliant to, to a player and yeah. thoroughly deserved that victory. And they're really going to get from strength to strength. The big question is, well, what will Glasgow City do to react now? That is the big question that's going to be on everybody's lips uh, from, from now until the end of the season in, in June. Yeah, but yeah, for Rangers, they've got a terrific mix across the park. They've got a terrific strength and depth. And I think Rangers Football Club as a whole has been big in the women's game in terms of their own club because they know how successful the men's games um, is with, with how, how good a job Stephen Gerrard's doing with Rangers and mm-hmm. you know how good a job, uh, how they're developing, sorry, how uh, Mm. It feels like a big project, doesn't it? Not just the men's game, but the women's side of Rangers. It feels like everybody's in it together. There's a project across both um, the men's and the women's teams and the under-20s as well, of course, but obviously they have not had the opportunity to play many games, if any. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, when Rangers are, when Rangers are signing players such as Rachel McLaughlin, Sam Kerr and Caster Hurt from Glasgow City, we've also got quite mentioned Nicola Doherty and Clara Girasoli. You've got Jenna Fife, who's been in the Scotland setup recently. You've also got Kirsty Howitt and Lizzie Arnott, who have been, uh, sorry, Lizzie Arnott, who's been involved in the Manchester United setup recently. So, yeah, with them signing them quality player, it shows it shows where, where they want to go with, with this project at Glasgow Rangers. And, yeah, it's only going to go from strength to strength. This is just a start, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John Bleasdale, our guest of the show and also fellow presenter, has a question for you, David. Do you think David will be champions of the SWPL win this season? Do you think Glasgow City will um, add to their 13 in a row? Or do you think this is a year that Rangers or Celtic topple them? What do you think of John's question? Do you think Glasgow City are going to recover or do you think it's time for a new revolution? Leagues that one after eight games or so, Grant. So that's uh, the bottom line here. But no... um, as I mentioned, Celtic, uh, Celtic have still got a shout. Maybe our result against Celtic back in December might put dividend to their title hopes because um, I remember Celtic got a big result over Rangers before that. Then we were very lucky not to win that day. Wait, Celtic, uh, we were disappointed to come away with a draw, which uh, shows the volume of where we've been compared to where, where Farmington was in the past. Because yeah. in the past, we would have been taking fighting your hand off for a point away at Celtic. So, um, but I, I, I feel it is a free horse horse race for the title. If you were to ask me right now, and I hope I do not get slaughtered by Glasgow City here, but I do fancy Rangers just to, just to sneak this. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what happens there, and it's certainly going to be a fascinating title race, and I'm really glad that it's back and running in, in that respect. In terms of the other teams in the league, David, you've obviously seen a lot of the teams, because obviously your involvement with Farmington 
Apart from the major suspects, who's impressed you? Um, it's funny, but Spartans have impressed me. They're not, they don't have any individual players in their team. Your pinpoint Hibs, Glasgow City Rangers, Celtic, and they'll all have good individual players, which I'll come on to later on in this show. However, Spartans, they've got a terrific experienced goalkeeper, Rachel Harrison, which is a, the, the bread and butter for, for that team, so to speak, in terms of it provides so much security to that Spartans team. However, they're a fit team. Uh, there's no egos in that Spartans team. They've got a terrific head coach, Damien McCulloch, who, who does a lot for, for Spartans and she's a terrific coach. So yeah. uh, Spartans Spartans have been a, a, a continual force in women's football for many years and they'll continue to be a continual force in, in the women's football side of things. But um, Spartans can push teams. I mean, they've gave Rangers, Celtic and Hibs uh, and Glasgow City for that matter some good games. I remember the Rangers game back in November. Rangers scored courtesy of an offside goal. And yeah, I can sit here and speak to you, Grant, and be a little bit uh, conscious of Spartans based on the, our controversial goal that we got conceded in November. But um, I'm going to be positive and, and not, um, not disrespect Spartans that way. So, but, uh, so they're a good side. And I, f- I feel they're going to shock. Uh, I, f- I feel they've got a few more statements to, to give for the remainder of the season. Uh, but there was a side that I was, uh, I, I, I liked watching, but I feel they're going to be a different side this next time, Grant, just in the basis of uh, Katie Rice has joined Hibs from Motherwell, and she's a terrific midfielder. Will Motherwell react to that? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I think Lisa Swanson signed for another team during the, the shutdown as well. So mm. Motherwell's definitely a loss during these last few months. Uh, and it's, it is going to be interesting because... Will the tide change because teams have made signs? I know it's Celtic made a, a few signs in the last week or so, uh, alongside the signs that Glasgow City made after Christmas time and, and Rangers strengthened during December as well. So, yeah, you know, every team's been productive during lockdown, and it's going to make for an exciting last few months in the SWPL one this year. It's certainly going to be that so. And, and as we're uh, recording this on the 15th of March, uh, Rangers women are top of the SWPL one 18 points. Uh, so far, they're ahead of Glasgow City by six goals on goal difference. Celtic are a couple of points back on 16. And then you've got Hibs and Spartans on nine points, Forfar Farmington on seven, and Motherwell and Hearts at the bottom. Let's bring it back to Forfar, uh, David, because obviously you're very much involved in the setup. The last time I spoke uh, to you, Ryan McConville was the manager of Forfar. He has now moved on. How big a disappointment is it that Ryan has left Forfar? It, it was a disappointment at the time. Based on the work that Ryan did with the club, he was fantastic for us. He was a major asset in terms before and off the park. He was, he was good with the players in terms of his man management style and uh, and the, the style he brought to the team. He played an attacking style of football, but also he, he had the balance with um, a good setup and a good system at the back. And his his, his disappointment in all aspects was because seeing goals from set plays. If it wasn't for that, Forfar would have got a lot more points than they did. Because Forfar were conceding goals which cost them points against Celtic. Uh, there was a couple of goals against Glasgow City, which they lost from, despite it being a club to take one defeat. Uh, Hibs was a disappointment, and uh, Rangers was also disappointed in the aspect that they, they had a penalty uh, and also had a runaway goal. But apart from that, they gave Rangers a, a very good game. So, yeah, there was disappointment. But I think the club have handled it really well in the aspect that Kevin McGreskins came in now as uh, the head coach. What his time frame will be uh, is yet to be seen. However, 
Kevin's a fantastic coach and he, he bounces really well off the players in, in the aspect that he's a really good coach and he's, he's worked across the globe, as has Ryan. Uh, so mm-hmm. they both have good experience in terms of the boys in the men's and the women's game. Yeah. And uh, Kevin, Kevin, interestingly enough, for, for those that don't know, he was Jackney McNamara's, he was on Jackney McNamara's coaching staff at Dundee United Park Official. Uh, so he's, he, he worked with some top players, actually. He worked with Andy Robertson and uh, Ryan Gold and Paul Payton and uh, who else would be Johnny Russell and Gary Mackay Stephen. There's a lot of top players he's worked with there. Uh, and he's got some good players to work with here at Farm. And yes, it needs strength in the one or two areas. Kevin understands that. Uh, but the pandemic's took its toll on, on farming and alongside the other clubs in the league and bringing in the right quality players is going to be hard. Uh, but Kevin's looking at one or two uh, avenues at this precise moment in time and uh, he's looking forward to, to getting his teeth into this challenge and he's he's, a, he's quite ambitious and excited for, what, for what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how Kevin does. I want to personally wish him all the best. I'm really sad to hear Ryan left the club. He did a, a very good job, obviously, coming over from Belfast. And, you know, I had him on my own podcast, Campbell's Footballs, and he was such a really effervescent guy, really positive guy. So I really want to wish Ryan well. He's listening to this. A big shout out to him as well. Let's talk about um, the, the players that really catch your eye in the SWPL one, because you said you did a little bit of research before the show, David. Give us our listeners a, a little bit of an incentive to go and check out some of these uh, really exciting ladies players. Yeah, uh, so players to look out for when the SWPL one comes back. Now, I've done a little bit of homework in the aspect Grant, that uh, I've looked at how goals were considered alongside how goals were scored by teams. Mm. Uh, but I've also looked at players that impressed me when, when teams were playing farming. I also looked at highlights. And for, for Glasgow City, for me, yeah, I'll tell you what, right now, they're a very scary side going forward. Uh, with a good, they've got fantastic interchanges of play. They, they give teams very hard problems. They're very good on it. Their on and off ball movement is very, very good. Uh, and yeah, that was the best side I've seen this season uh, in terms of uh, the way they played the game. And it was mm-hmm. very positive and very refreshing to see what's their stumbling block, in my opinion, the defence. But Glasgow City's got a title winning mentality, and there's no question about that. They've been they've, they've been over the, the, the first line 12 times in a row now. Uh, and they've got some experienced players on that team, such as Joe Love and Haley Lauder and Leanne Crichton and Lee Alexander, alongside other experienced players that have been at City for a long time now. Yeah. But what they're still my block in my opinion, is at the back. I would highlights from the game against Spartans and against Rangers, that 5-0 game before Christmas. And alongside that, uh, I, I pinpointed a game when they played Farmington in the aspect that we always scored one goal against them, but uh, we, we, we felt a little bit aggrieved that day not to score three or four goals. And being honest with you, that was a, an opinion Scott Booth had as well after the game. So, in my opinion, Glasgow City have signed Caitlin Mickey and Niam Farelli, if that's pronounced right. Sorry if it's not, but uh, yeah, two defenders, which I feel is the missing jig- jigsaw for Glasgow City in terms of that title push. Mm-hmm. Because, in my opinion, this is going to be the hardest title they'll have to win. Uh, the last 12 titles, some of which has been good competition from Hibernian in terms of when they had the likes of Abby Harrison and, and other good players in that Hibs team, alongside Chris Roberts, who's now the assistant uh, coach at Everton Women. Uh, but 
Glasgow City at the back, they need strengthened. And I feel Caitlin Mickey and Niam Farelli is the missing jigsaw, missing jigsaw to that, sorry. Sure. Um, for, for Rangers, I'm going to go for Lizzie Arnott and Kirsty Howitt. They both offer something completely different to Rangers and they've been two yeah. terrific signings. For the I've watched Lizzie Arnott a lot this campaign and she's been outstanding, really, really good. And she's very dynamic when she gets forward, always looking to create that little bit of space. Arnott's the player that she could play in a 10 or she could play in a 9. She's the player that you'll know, see her maybe at the edge of the box, but then a, a minute later or a second later, you'll see her within the penalty area looking to score a goal. But yeah. also, she, she, something that the viewers might not understand, she does the dirty work alongside that. Rangers yeah. are good in the aspect of Kirsten Riley, who does a lot, of dirty, a lot of the dirty work for Rangers in terms of winning the ball and then getting the ball forward. And she's perfect between that defence to that transition. However, Lizzie Arnott for me is good in terms of finding space and exposing defences. And then Kirsty Howitt's Kirsty Howitt. She scores goals and she's she showed against Glasgow City before Christmas that she's going to score goals again. And she's only going to go from strength to strength with this quality player that there is at Rangers in this minute in time. Yeah. For, uh, for Celtic, I'm going to pinpoint a midfield duo for you here because uh, Lisa Robertson and Natalie Ross, they've both been in the Scotland set recently. And, yes. Uh, two, two players that pretty much uh, make Celtic what they are in terms of their the strongest position is midfield. And I, I'll go as far as to say, the, it's up for debate, obviously, but I feel the midfield department's the strongest in, in the league um, regarding uh, Celtic, Glasgow, City and Rangers. They've all got very strong midfields and, that, and there's nothing to separate those three midfields which, in my opinion, makes them stand out from the rest. Yes, mm. Hibernian have got Rachel Boyle, which I'll come on to in a minute, but your Celtic, your Rangers and your Glasgow Cities have very strong midfields, and that's what makes them tick, to, and that's what makes them get some, some good wins over other teams. So Lisa, Lisa Robertson's good at the long-range strikes, which is also good at doing the dirty work in terms of playing the short, the, the short, long, and the through balls. So yeah. she's good with that. Natalie she was really good at... She was really good in the Hibs game, wasn't she? And uh, I know Celtic had a, a very big win that night. Was it six two? I think it was. Yeah, um, she scored a long range strike that night, uh, and yeah, she was she was everywhere really. She was doing the defensive work for the other players. She was good at getting forward. And funnily enough, I never got to see the best Alicia Robertson when we played Celtic back in December. I really don't know why. Uh, however. Was it the way Ryan set up? Was it Lisa having a quiet day? I don't know. That on Natalie Ross and Natalie Ross is a leader. Uh, she, she's everywhere across the park. She's been Celtic for a long time now. She just literally deserved a placement in the Scotland Celtic because she, she's the reason why Celtic are, are a consistent and successful side. And yeah, she's if 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 Celtic are going to be in a title push, Natalie Ross will be a big part of that because, yeah. in my opinion, Celtic and I, I don't mean disrespectful to Celtic here. Celtic aren't really. Uh, they don't have the strength and depth, in my opinion, at the moment. Yes, they've got some, some good players, but they don't have a Rangers team and they don't have a, a, a Glasgow City. What they're good at is getting the good odd result. Uh, I remember before I walked down 1.0, yes, it was a blustery night at Cave Park, but they, they got a very good result over Glasgow City, which was a statement for itself. And then I remember back in November, they beat Rangers 1-0 and Rangers was a patch, which That's is also a statement for, for itself. Will the farm in result 2-2 back in December cost Celtic the chance of success? Maybe, but time will tell. Yeah. Uh, on to Hibs, 
I've mentioned Katie Rice earlier in this show uh, and also mentioned Rachel Boyle. And the other two players are going to tip for me. Uh, Rachel's good in the aspect that she's got experience and she's good. that's going to be key because Hibs have got such a young team now. The one gone in the days when they had the Lisa up, when they had the midfield duo of Riley, Robertson and Boyle. But now yeah. it's Boyle by herself. Mm-hmm. And she's doing a lot of the, she's doing a lot of the work at all ends of the park because Hibs have, as I said, been through a period of transition with Dave Gibson coming in, a lot of you young you young players, also experienced defender Joel Murray's been injured. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been reliant on the likes of Siobhan Hunter and uh, Boyle to to pretty much pick up the scrap heaps. And that's why the odd result maybe has been coming coming from the Hibs' perspective. Mm-hmm. You're very inconsistent. But, Three wins and four defeats in their seven games so far. Yeah. But it's, it's, and it's funny in the aspect that they've had the three defeats, three out of the four defeats against uh, Glasgow City Rangers and Celtic lost. The other one came from Hearts, where they dominate the game, but Hearts' only chance resulted in a goal and three points for the Jambos that day. So these fine margins happen in football, but I'm pretty sure Hibs have used it this lockdown productively to bounce back yeah. because, being, being honest, they were a sight the first half against Farmington, they blew us away. That that first half, second half was a little bit stale for both uh, from Hibs in particular. But I think Hibs had the game won already, so hmm. there was no need to really have that intent uh, as they did in the first half that day. On to Spartans, uh, I'm going to pick a, a, a stalwart of Spartans and Alana Marshall. Terrific in the ball, likes to play good balls. She normally plays as a winger, but she plays some good, very good balls into strikers. And as I mentioned earlier, Spartans aren't really that team that mm-hmm. has good individual players. And Spartans is downfall, in my opinion, despite them being a fantastic team, they've not got a goal scorer. They've yeah, they've all scored seven player. goals. They've all scored seven goals in the first seven games. They've only conceded eight, mind you. So, uh, very tough team to crack. Yeah, they've not got a cast to Howitt. They've not got a... I know she's left now, but they've not got Anita Marcos. And they've not got uh, London Pollard uh, as such. Spartans are Spartans. They're productive. They're efficient. But their downfall is the goals. But yeah. as I mentioned, they're very organised at the back. And that's pretty much down to the, the system that Demi McCulk has implemented at Spartans. On to, on to my own team, Forfa. Uh, and I'm going to single out London Pollard. Yes, yeah, she's only 16 years old, but London's got a terrific future in the game. She's already shown the season so far with, the goals because I've won Celtic how capable of a player she can be. She still has a lot of development to do in the game uh, and London understands that herself. Mm-hmm. And what she'll, she'll be good in aspect. She's got support from Shout Gammy and Donna Patterson who's been flying so far this season. Yeah, she's she's top scorer, isn't she? She she scores goals and she plays at the back as well. Does she not a fullback? She's top scorer, isn't she? Uh, she's originally sent a half grand uh, her Donna and Kirsten Howitt are level uh, with eight goals. But yeah, for Donna to score eight goals, it's even took her by surprise because usually she's popped up with big goals. I mean, she used to play for Glasgow City. I remember she popped up with some big goals against Hibs in big games like cup games, the league games, but right. nothing, compared to, nothing compared to what she's done for Farm in this season. And I think Ryan got the best thing out of her by, uh, by playing her midfield in the aspect that it allowed Jay Lindsay and Kirsten Fraser to do the dirty work in terms of intercept in any attacking play uh, and it allowed Donna to f- a bit of freedom in the park to get forward and support the attackers alongside scoring goals for herself. On to Mimmerwalt and I'm going to pinpoint Lucy Sinclair. Uh, I would 
normally if you ask me this type of question, I'd have went and said Katie Rice, but uh, Katie Rice has now joined Hibs, so I'm going to pinpoint Lucy Sinclair. And I, I was very impressed with Lucy when I watched her a few years ago for Rangers in terms of she's good in midfield, she's very creative, and she's, she's always a, a, a good, enthusiastic footballer for, for Motherwell. Yeah. Um, she'll, she'll, she'll play a big part in what Eddie Wickey's box uh, sides will get achieved from, from now till June because they're such a young side, Motherwell, that they're going through a transition period themselves. And finally, on to Hearts. It's not actually a Heart Mavlovian player I'm on about here, but it's a player that's on one from Celtic. Paige McAllister, she's a young player. Uh, she scored a winning goal against uh, Hibs. And she's, she's came in alone and came in, uh, came in the Hearts side that, yes, came up from the SWPL too, but she's always 17. And the fact she's coming in uh, a good side like Hearts speaks volumes with the type of player she is. And, She's been doing very well for herself in, in her first season in competitive action. Yeah, a fascinating insight there from David about all his key women to look out for in SWPL1. You can check out uh, that later on uh, when you have an opportunity to do so. Uh, David, the, the first round of fixtures uh, kick off again on the 4th of April. Um, Celtic play Glasgow City. That's an absolute stonking game off the bat. Uh, Rangers are away to Hearts. Spartans play Hibs and Motherwell face Forfar. A couple of really interesting games in there. Yeah, Celtic against Glasgow City. That's a big one for both clubs because Celtic need to get back to winning ways. Uh, they, they got a fantastic 5-0 win over Motherwell before Christmas, which which was good for Fran Wardrow's side. But that 2-2 draw might hit Celtic. Um, and that game, yes, there's a long way to go in this title race, but that might be a big game for Celtic. Glasgow City will be a case of bouncing back after that calamitous defeat by Rangers back in December. If whoever wins that game, it's a huge statement. It's a um, it's a it's, it's a it's a message to the clubs telling them that we're back. Basically, if it's a draw, both sides will be disappointed. So mm-hmm. that may, that that game has got a lot of positives, but it's got a lot of consequences and repercussions in that game as well. Mm-hmm. We've also got Hibs got Spartans, which. Which will be an interesting one for me because uh, Hibs, Hibs have done well against the, bot, uh, the so-called bottom sides in the league, but Spartans uh, have been doing very well against the clubs, and they'll develop based on the fact they've played clubs and, and have a lot bit more knowledge about the bigger clubs. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. going to be a big one for me, in the sense that Hibs, I think it's a must-win game for Hibs. Dave Gibson will, Dave Gibson will dispute that every day of the week. However, I think I feel it's a must-win game for Hibs in, in the sense that. If they don't get uh, three points from that game, they're, they're under pressure with the, the three Glasgow teams uh, coming up. You've also got Marvel against Forfa, which is a, a big game for clubs to, for both clubs sorry, to avoid the winning spoon. Marvel, a uh, young team, and they'll, they'll be keen to, to get more points in the, the board after only beating Hearts so far this season. Whereas Forfa, they've had a good start of the season. And they'll profit look at this as an opportunity to go and get uh, an extra three points and, and pull a gap in the, the Motherwell and Hearts at the bottom. Uh, yeah. Because Forfar will have their own ambitions in terms of wanting to reach top five, top four. And it'll be a good battle to be fought for Spartans and Hibs for that top four, in my opinion. Yeah. Because I, I feel I feel Glasgow City, Rangers and Celtic will be one places one, two, and three. Uh, I can't, can't see unless it's a calamitous drop, I can't see them dropping ball, any ball, any one in third. Hearts gets Rangers uh, late. Hearts, they are developing, but I think Rangers are too much for them in the day. It was 5-1 at Rangers' chain centre in the opening day of the season, but 
Rangers have improved their continue to go from strength to strength. They've got the three players they took it from Glasgow City. And yeah, it's I, I, if if Celtic could beat Hearts for ten, you fear for Hearts. You, you, and that's not that's been brutal, but it's been honest at the same time. You do fear yeah. for Hearts. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how those uh, games shape up at the start of April. Just want to finish up, David, by talking about the coverage of the, the women's game because I've been really impressed with the, the fact that it's online on a Sunday. You know, I've been really impressed with Stuart Mitchell's commentary who has been a breath of fresh air. What have you made of the of the coverage? You know, fantastic, Grant, in the aspect that you've not just got out BBC up to the wire. You've got BBC Sports Scotland as well. And they've been good in terms of getting it to the small... To the so-called smaller clubs and, and helping them out. And it's allowed them to get a bit of profile and a bit of exposure. And yes, the club might not get financial um, backing from the BBC, but it's been good in terms of business women's game because I've said, I've had this discussion to many people since I've joined Farming and since I've been involved in the women's game, for, and that's been a few years now, and in the sense that I used to be at Aberdeen a few years ago as well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel this level is similar to Championship League One level in Scotland, men's level in Scotland, just in the sense of professionalism amongst the clubs. Yes, some of the clubs are not full-time, but they've got a professional mindset about them and they've got the they've also got their own ambitions, which aren't exactly small ambitions, they're big ambitions. All the teams and all the players have big standards. And the BBC have been brilliant in terms of showcasing and giving that a platform. And BBC have been very supportive uh, to the clubs as well in the aspect that if there's been any, fo- uh, any information needed regarding them coming to games, they've been very supportive. I've had a few Friday and Saturday phone calls through BBC in the past regarding when we played Rangers and Celtic, ask phone Stuart, in fact, ask if we needed any information. Uh, it's like Lisa Rye, for example, one of our players, I told Stuart that She's played for Sheffield United. It was very valid in terms of what Stuart had planned for, for the game. Um, and but also there's also clubs that, that don't agree with what the BBC do to that club that I wouldn't name. Uh, but no, the BBC have been very good for the for the coverage of the game. And it's only gonna improve come time. Would I like to see more coverage? One hundred percent. And so would the clubs. However, oh. you've got to be you've got to be understanding and say that it's Stepping stones. Rome wasn't built in a night, and we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. And if you could, of course, read uh, David Smith's uh, SWPL1 returns uh, post on Football CFB, and I'll link this to uh, the show notes uh, after we have finished up. But David, you're also very much involved um, writing about uh, football for Not the Old Firm and for Football CFB. And let's bring our attentions to uh, this weekend's uh, action, which has just passed, because we've seen some really interesting. Uh, um, results uh, at the weekend. There are some, some fascinating outcomes. Let's uh, go through the Premiership. Livingston beating Hamilton by two goals to one. Hibbs um, recovering um, from a goal down against Ross County to win 2-1 in the Highlands. Um, Dundee beating Arbroath by two goals to nil. Dunfermline beating Green and Morton by a goal to nil. Hearts beating Ayr United by two goals to nil. And Alloa winning 3-2 at Queen of the South. And of course, Friday night's game saw Inverness and Wraith Rovers Drop nil nil. David, you were at um, Dundee Abroth on Saturday. What did you make of the game, and what did you make of uh, the the match in itself at Dundee? A, a big win for James McPake's team. Definitely, um, Dundee deserved the win, but not without a fight. Uh, but anyway, that penalty save was mon- 
monumental in terms of the outcome of the game. Had the Brough scored that penalty, it was it changed the complexion of the game, in my opinion, because that game was screaming out for a goal. The opening half an hour was okay, but it needed a goal. Um, so, being honest, myself and a fellow journalist in the press area dead fucking Saturday, we were a little bit disappointed. No disrespect to the fans. That goal didn't go in on Saturday. But no, uh, based on the second half, Dundee were, were uh, fairly deserving of the win. And Paul McMillan was fantastic. He, he's continuing to, continuing to expose championship back lines week upon week. And that's an, another two assists for him on Saturday, making it six assists out of six in the championships since, since his arrival from across the road uh, at Paradise there. Yeah. So no, McMillan's yeah. been fantastic. And he's good in the aspect that he takes on players, but also has good deliveries in the ball. But I'm also going to mention Max Anderson. That's two games I've seen of Max now. And he's pushing Charlie Adam and Sean Byron at the side, which speaks volumes of how good a, a, a young player. Yeah, it was very interesting. And, you know, really important, Adam Legsden saving uh, that Michael McKenna penalty. And as you mentioned there, um, Danny Mullen and uh, Max Anderson scoring the goals. What did it really interest me about Dundee? And you, you sort of highlighted this before we came on the show, David. Do you think there's more to come from this Dundee team? Definitely. Um, I mean, when you've got the likes of Anderson, Adam, Cummings, Mullen, McMillan, uh, Bayer even, uh, Afalabi, Osman Sow. Yes, Osman Sow's been quiet in the goals front lately. But yeah, when you've got them players doing well and being consistent, Dundee's going to go one direction and that's up. Uh, whether that's up to the top white or up to up battle with Hearts, Stavallon and Rafe Rose, Dundee are going to be up there. The big question Mark is getting the right back. The Queen's Saturday will be big for that club in, in the sense that they can go building up now and see if they can get that defensive, um, see if they resurrect that, that defensive um, mishap, so to speak. They'll, they'll get it right. Uh, yes. That's the missing part in the jigsaw at this precise moment in time. They need yeah. to get more clean sheets. And that's mm-hmm. something that James Tate, being a former defender himself, has. Uh, he's not criticised his defence as such, but he, he's been painting the wall saying, look, we need more clean sheets. Clean sheets will help us get three points. And yeah, if they can do that, Dundee will mount a, a title challenge or a promotion. Through the yeah, do, you, do, you, do you think the gulf is too large for Dundee to challenge Hearts? I mean, Hearts have been pretty ruthless so far this season. I mean, a playoff spot is probably more likely for the Ds, don't you think? I mentioned in the football CFB uh, review before we came on that Hearts uh, are now eight, eight unbeaten. Now, Hearts beat Dundee 2 1 last Saturday, and I feel that scoreline, if Dundee won that game, it would be a different story because I feel Dundee are slowly but surely getting back to their best now. And like I mentioned earlier, they're still a way to go. Hearts it looks like being a one way street towards going up. There's more to come from Hearts, though. Uh, Hearts could play better. Hearts are getting results. They're being consistent. And, and what's an unforgiven league that you've got to remember? But they're not playing well. Uh, they're still getting wins, which, which is a testament to job Robbie Nielsen's doing with that team at this precise moment in time. And I think Armand, Armand Julie is a fantastic side for that club, but just in the sense that they were struggling for goals beforehand, in the sense they maybe had Stephen Naismith and the... Jamie Walker maybe made a few goals, but it's not been as consistent as uh, Julie. And I remember he scored two away to Rafe Rovers in his debut, which uh, which is which just highlights how good a player, he, he, an influential player, he's going to be for Hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly a, a, a big win for Hearts, a very um, good win against uh, any other team, of course, have brought in 
uh, David Hopkins. What did you make of that move? Obviously, Mark Kerr moving on, uh, Hopkins coming in. Tough start for him, and uh, you know they're they're now just above the drop zone or the playoff zone on goal difference as we as we talk. It's been a tough start for Hopkins. Yes, uh, he's at Tide Castle uh, on Saturday. He's got that day away tomorrow night. So yeah, it's probably it's arguably the two toughest games you can get mm-hmm. in terms of this league. Uh, but David Hopkins has got terrific experience in this league in, in the sense that he, he got promotion with Livingston through the playoffs. He, he worked with Morton before he resigned recently. And Ayer's the perfect job for him in terms of the fact that he, he won't have a big budget to work with Ayer United. However, he'll he'll get the perfect resources in uh, to make that club better and to maybe promotion playoffs might be the, the driving seat for this season. However, David Hopkins will look at this job as a rebuilding job moving forward into next season and moving moving into the long term as well. Yeah. Because he's got a good Air United does need fresh fresh blood, in my opinion. But the they've got a good good array of experience and youth in the, the sense they've got I remember Sam Roscoe from Aberdeen. I thought he was a, a good tall defender. Uh, they're obviously Bruce Anderson. It didn't work out for Bruce Air, but uh, it's working out now for Bruce Hamilton. But Bruce Air didn't work out. But they've also got Carmen Smith and they've got Michael Moffat. And Mike, Michael Moffat's been about the block for ages in terms of scoring goals. Mm. Also, he's, a, he's an Air United legend as well. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for, for David Hawkett. It's also a very interesting time for Inverness Cali Thistle. Obviously, John Robertson on compassionate leave. Neil McCann has come in. Billy Dodds has also joined uh, the setup up in the Highlands. What have you made of Inverness this season? They drew 0-0 on Friday night. It's been a very tough season for the Cali Jags. Before I answer your question, I want to wish John Robertson all the very best uh, because I, I know I know John through interviewing him and I know John through maybe seeing him in the boardroom occasionally in the Highland League. And he's a top guy. So, John, uh, if you're listening, I wish you all the very yeah, best, yeah. my friend. Yeah. On to Inverness, uh, on, on to Inverness. I noticed before we came on, I read an article this morning in the Press and Journal that Inverness had a, a, a good talk uh, before the normal drug that's three floors of Friday night between the players and Neil McCann. And being at Dundee against Inverness a couple weeks ago, Inverness, they, they, were, they weren't great in the first half, they were second every ball, just not good enough. Second half, they were a lot better. Todorov scores a great goal, Nikolai Todorov, that is. And Everest Cali Fissel and then were lucky not to come away with a point, which was by margins. But Everest, they've had a lot of games, they're going through a, a lack of confidence at the moment. That number draw might up things and might increase the confidence levels. I feel to I feel the game away to Ruth Rovers on Tuesday's a, a, a big game. Um, Everest have got some big games coming up in the aspect. They've got their firm win on Saturday, and I think they've got a broth the week later, which could be a massive game in terms of mm. the difference between uh, first and second bottom or uh, getting, a couple, getting a, an extra couple of weeks off before preseason. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see Cali's uh, season because, as you say, you've been trying to catch up on the games, not just because of COVID, but because of the weather as well. And, you know, it's just unfortunate the location of it for us, isn't it? But the, the snow and things like that, that they've had to, you know, be playing catch up. Uh, other results from the weekend, as we mentioned, Dunfermline beating Morton. Of course, Morton um, changing their manager as well. Gus McPherson in. What did you make of that? And also, what did you make of Dunfermline getting back on the bike with a winner on uh, on Saturday? 
the Morton thing came out of the came out of the blue to be honest. No rumor, no nothing coming out saying oh Morton's gonna be appointing new manager. Morton beat Everness last Tuesday night one 0 and Anton in his interviews seemed to be uh, upbeat. He, he seemed to be enthusiastic about the project. There was no the body language didn't seem to suggest that he was getting uh, put put in the back seat so to speak. So yeah, it came as a surprise, but. No, Gus McPherson has came. It's not went down well uh, amongst some modern supporters, I think, because he was a former Sydney gaffer, uh, and he's also said some criti- cr- uh, critical things about Morton in the past. So uh, it didn't go down too well with a couple of Morton fans, I noticed. But no, Morton, being brutally honest, needed a gaffer, and uh, <laughs> Anton did a terrific job and got some good results in the in the past, including. A draw at Tynecastle and a 2 2 draw with Dundee. But Martin needed a gaffer because Martin's in a relegation dog fight. They needed a gaffer and they've, they've acted in the Gus McPherson. Is Gus the right man? I, I'll be brutally honest with you. I don't think so. Martin mm-hmm. could have got somebody different, but I think you've got to be understanding of the fact that Martin are in financial difficulty at the minute. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not too major or too bad, but. They're, they're not in a good frame of mind financially at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a big win for Dunfermline. I, I just got you asked me that there. <laughs> a big win for Dunfermline as well yeah, to, to um, win that one. A, a big win for Dunfermline. And yeah, a big win for Dunfermline. And uh, that was topped with the fact where they've drawn 0 0 at Vanessa Friday night and they jumped at the second. And that second place is going to be big for any team, whoever is there come. Able to fact if in the aspect that you, you don't have you don't have as much games to play and you can jump straight into whoever wins that third v fourth playoff and then if you're successful in that you're playing the eleventh place side in the Scottish Premiership so no that's a big result for Dunfermline the weekend Dunfermline's got some big games coming up uh, now with Inverness and then pardon me they've got some uh, they've, then they've got Dundee in the twenty seventh and then they've still got Dundee to play at East End Park so Dunfermline's still got a lot to play for. Uh, Dunfermline probably won't win the league uh, through going up through the Champions route. However, they've still got a lot to play for. And Craig Whiten seems to be a really good signing for Stevie Crawford in terms yes. of his scoring goals, which Dunfermline has been craving for a, a while. Yes, of course, Craig Whiten did score the, the winning goal despite also missing a penalty as well, which was quite fascinating. Speaking of games, that was absolutely fascinating, David. We have to come on to the game of the weekend. Queen of the South 2, Aloha 3. Queen of the South twice taking the lead uh, in the first half, Alwa twice pegging them back, and then they lost uh, uh, Ayo Obolai to a red card to the south right on the stroke of half time. Um, into the second half, Alwa missed a penalty, Rowan Ferguson saving Andy Graham's spot kick before uh, Ross Buchanan uh, puts uh, Alwa in front, and then of course uh, Rhys McCabe sent off uh, later with Queen of the South finishing with nine men. A massive win for Peter Grant's side. They're now just four points uh, adrift of Arbroath at the bottom. Definitely the, the fact that a broth and Morton could beat in, in particular alongside of Vaness not pick up three points on Friday night, that's a massive result for Peter Grant's side. And Alwa will take confidence now. Friday night yeah. on the tail against Dundee is a massive game. And Alwa Alwa are capable of getting results against the bigger sides. Yes, they are a part-time team by nature, by name, sorry. However, they are capable of getting the results and that's two victories over Queen of the South now after beating Queen of the South uh, on, on Alwa's patch recently as well. Yeah. So, yeah, Alwa, there's still a way to go in this relegation dogfight. Dick Campbell, uh, uh, Broth, will be looking for eighth. However, he'll be looking over, he might be, he'll probably be looking over the shoulder as well. 
mm. the hope that he does it for his tenth. But yeah. if if Alwa, because Alwa Alwa, uh, I've been described the second half of the season team rather yeah. than a continual pickup and result here and there. They're really good for ending the business end of the season really well. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. From Alwa, in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's just five points covering the bottom five. Do you feel now there's a gap developing now between fifth and below? Because even though Queen of the South lost, they're, they're still five points ahead of bottom. I think a lot of that depends on Dundee, to be honest with you, in the aspect that if they go and win some important games coming up, such as Air on Tuesday, and then play Alla and beat Alla on Friday night, that's going to create a huge gap between Dundee and other teams. And yeah, I, I feel the table will be split to two parts now in terms of you've got Hearts, Stilfarman, Rafe and Dundee uh, in the top four. And then your bottom five will take care of itself. Regarding Queen of the South, I think they're safe. Uh, no relegation trouble now. They were in a spot of difficulty at uh, the beginning of the year. Yes. But a good a good upsurge of form meant they were able to turn the, turn the tide and uh, Al Johnson said we'll, we'll be prepared for the next season now. and I think Al Johnson's done a good job in the circumstances because yes. you've got to remember there was that Rangers situation with Dapo uh, and it was actually further later the weekend after that Rangers uh, catastrophe that they went to Dundee beat them 3-2 which was a, a big result Yeah, in terms of how their season was going to shape up and so Queen of South will be prepared for the next season now and um, they've, they've done themselves real well because it looked like they were in trouble uh, at Christmas time and New Year thing. I'm going to put you under the spotlight here because you have a bit of a predictions battle now in terms of the, the championship. Who's going to be in that top four and who are the two teams that are going to be ninth and tenth, do you think? As I said in my last question, I feel the top four is going to be Hearts, the Farm One, Rafe and Dundee. So you don't think there's going to be any change? You don't think there's going to be any change in that top I four? Don't. Like I mentioned earlier, Dundee are beginning to get to their best. They've mm. just got the defensive shape to, to sort out. Rafe Rovers have been going through a funny period. However, John McGlynn's done a fantastic job at Rafe Rovers. And yeah, they've caught everybody's surprise, Rafe Rovers, but yeah. they've done very well for themselves. They're firm one. They've had a consistent season. Uh, they've got a good array of player, both defence and attack. So no, the firm one's good. And hearts, hearts are hearts. And hearts will rope away with the title. Uh, which will make the playoffs very exciting in terms of there's going to be three fantastic teams vying it out for Premiership football next season. Sorry, Dick. Sorry, Peter. But I think it's going to be ninth and tenth. Yeah, interesting to see what happens there. And of course, you can read David's just put out a new article on Football CFB, his championship review from the 13th of March. You can view that on Football CFB. At your pleasure. Now, what is really exciting, David, is of course leagues one and two, as long as as well as sorry, the Scottish Women's uh, Premier League are returning. Uh, following the release of the initial batch of league fixtures, SPFL clubs in leagues one and two are now going to vote how to conclude the season. Um, the vote follows a period of extensive dialogue with League One and Two clubs. Um, they have previously advised that an 18-game season would be the more practical and realistic option, but has agreed to work on the basis of a 22-match season in line with the League 1 and 2 club wishes. David, what do you make of the fact that Leagues 1 and 2 are back 1 and 2? Do you think we'll get to 22 games or do you think 18 is more likely? 
First and foremost, I think 18 is the more likely destination. 22 would be a bonus, but I think 22 is putting a lot of pressure, in particular on the part-time clubs. I like seeing your fault. You like seeing your Falkirk and Partick Pistol would be able to adapt in terms of their full time. They put more resources, more luxury in terms of players can recover faster. Management teams can adjust players. They can man management things better. But uh, League One is going to be very exciting. There's only 11 points between Falkirk at the top to the Barton in eighth. Um, yeah. There's eight points between Cove in second and the Barton in eighth. So it's exciting that both ends of the park. Uh, the League Two is going to be exciting as well in the aspect that Queen's Park are probably going to romp away, romp, go and romp away with the league. You've got Elgin City who have been keen to get up that extra level for a few years now. You've also got End of the City fresh from appointed Gary Naismith as new manager last week. But you've also got the likes of Stereo Smear and Strenar who will be looking to surprise a few people in terms of League One football uh, next term. We've yeah. also got Albion Rovers and Breaking at the bottom league too. We'll be desperate to avoid the wall in the high league playoff, which I hope, for goodness sake, goes ahead this year after the shambles of last year, if that's put it politely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and the end of the city, uh, Gary Smith involved there now. And I, I feel Gary's going to be a, a breath of fresh air for the end of the city, just in the aspect that. He's been around the full-time game. He's been at Everton, the Premiership. He's worked under some fantastic managers, including like you have Davy Moyes and uh, other other good managers. Yep. He's also worked at a good level in this country as well. Mm-hmm. In terms, of he was Wards manager at Hearts. He was ex-manager at Queen of the South and East Fife, and he'll know he'll have a terrific knowledge of the Scottish game in terms of the war levels, which is very vital in terms of. What you what you're looking to do because sometimes there's managers that come in and they might have a lack of contacts or a lack of knowledge in the war echelons in the Scottish game. So Gary provides a bit of everything for Edinburgh City and it's a terrific appointment. And yeah. It's also good for Edinburgh City in the aspect they've got James McDonoghue uh, up the stairs in terms of the sporting director, which is very big for the club. And it shows where the club went to go because there's not a lot of clubs, especially in the Scottish game. They will have sport director, so no, that's very big for Edinburgh City Football Club. No, absolutely, and I wish Gary Naismith well at uh, at Edinburgh City. I think that's going to be very exciting, and of course, Leanne Dempster very much involved with Queens Park as well. That's also a very exciting story. Absolutely, uh, it shows where Queens Park went to go because it took a lot for Leanne Dempster to leave an institution like Hibernian Football Club, who are who are doing very well under Jack Ross at the minute, and. Uh, having positive strides in terms of league and the, and the cops. And yes, Jack Ross had his critics based on the fact that uh, the disappointing defeat to St. Johnston recently and his results because the bigger sides were, was disappointed, but nobody could fault the job Jack Ross has done. Uh, Jack Ross will understand for himself that his results because the bigger sides need to improve. He'll understand that. But J- Hibs have got some good players and, and Jack Ross will have no problem uh, with that. A bunch of guys that have been in. He's been there and done it. Yes, he's still young in terms of football management, but he's been in Sunderland. Uh, we all know what happened there, courtesy of Netflix. So, um, yeah, Jack Ross is a, is a good appointment from Hibernian, and it's only going to grow from strength to strength in terms of Jack Hannon and Hibernian. But on to Leanne and on to your, your point there, Queen's Park are going to grow. They're full time, they're, they're the league two. They're, they're going from the bottom to the top. They've not exactly just 
jumped in at the middle. Like, for example, if they've got promote, uh, promotion to the championship, they've started full time from the championship. They've done it the correct way, in my opinion, in the aspect. Yes. They've went from week two to hopefully climb up that pyramid system because that's what clubs all want to do moving forward now as well. Like your Cove Rangers are uh, in the season, but they've, they've done it the hard way. They've had to come through the the playoff system, which is, is hard within itself because you need to beat your low league opponent or high league opponent, respectively, and then beat the Team 42 in the SPFL, which, which is tough within itself. Um, and I remember Cove Rangers when they were striving for a promotion with their fortunate years that John Sherr picked up a heart attack. So it, it shows mm. that the, the amount of pressure that, that there is to, to get promotion. And Ender City, was, it wasn't the same thing, but I remember Granny Jardine got promotion with Ender City and then things didn't go to plan despite the Ender City signing the likes of Craig Beatty that season. Uh, so it, it shows the amount of pressure that it takes to to get get promotion to to... To the SPFL could have been improved 100%. But yeah, no, the, the SPFL needed fresh blood, and they've got that through Queen's Park going full time. I want to go for Edinburgh being an SPFL for a few seasons now. And yeah, absolutely. Because I just started, I think I feel that League One and League Two will have some strange results this year based on the fact that these teams will have to, have to play a lot of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It's not like it's Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yes. So good. You, you might have a period where, I'll give you an example, Cove will have a good result against Falkirk or uh, Partick for Solomon Throws, and then they'll go and play a Falkirk or, uh, or Peterhead and maybe drop points. You're, you're going to have that conclusions between now and the end of the season. Yeah, very much so. And uh, that brings us on to a really interesting question sent in by Colin Byers, who is one half of the Bluetooth podcast. Hello, Colin, if you're listening. Now, apart from the obvious question on your thoughts on the length of time that has passed since the leagues were suspended, what's your thoughts on the perhaps introducing the split, like the one in the Premiership to the Championship League 1 and 2 in the future? Six new teams will need to be added to have four leagues of 12. What do you think of that uh, statement, David? I 100% agree with what Colin said there, uh, but I remember I remember watching an interview with Rod Houston in the Highland League last week in, in the PNJ, and he was he was raising the fact that uh, certain club chairmen were were looking past their own scarves in terms of they were looking to protect their own inheritances and protect their own institutions, and that's wrong in my opinion. Uh, that I, I mentioned the Cove and the Queens Park scenario. Now, I'll give you more league examples. Body like Spartans, East Kilbride, there'd be no problem in that league. Kelty Hearts, yeah. Kelty Hearts, yeah, sorry. Apologies, Barry. Uh, Highland League, Fraserburgh, for Martin, Wokos, Bucky, Rothfuss, they would all have ambitions as well. Absolutely. Be, some, from the Highland League's point of view, the travel might be the stumbling block. Mm. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Mark Cowley didn't know what one. He, he would be happy at the or looking at the prospect of SPFL football and he, he does seem ambitious that way. Yeah. I know Alan Hale, Huntley would be ambitious as well. And if Huntley ever did win the league, uh, Alan's doing a good job despite him not seeing as much football since arriving last June. But no, yeah. A lot of clubs wore echelons in the pyramid system and wore echelons, I mean high on the Women League, they're very ambitious. And Compare that ambitions to maybe Brickin City and Albion Rovers as a, a genuine, genuine example. 
these clubs wouldn't work out of place. And I think I think it's showcased in some Scottish Scottish Cup results. Yeah. And speaking of the Scottish Cup, let's move on to talk about uh, the Scottish Cup because that's obviously also coming back on the 23rd of March. And uh, these are some of the ties are both Falkirk, Brora Hearts, Bucky Thistle and Burnest and Barton Huntley, Elgin City Air United, Fomarton and an Athletic, Keith against Clyde, Delfermon travelling to Morton, Neon County Montrose, Party Thistle Kenbeath. Peterhead, Stenishmere, and Stellan Albion against Wraith Rovers. Very exciting ties to, to get back on the way when the Cup resumes next Tuesday as we're recording this, David. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of ties when it's Championship against League 1 or League 2, or in uh, Bucky's case, Highland League against Championship. There's the possibility of a giant killing. Uh, mm. Where, we don't know, but with no fans, uh, quite the quiet atmospheres, it could go either way. It could either be a giant killing or it could be the bigger team being professional and doing enough to go and win the game. Yeah. But for, for Martin and Peter Head's point of view in particular, uh, or, or an athletic, I should say, or Stairs Muir, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be biased towards the North region here. <laughs> um, from, from their point of view, they've got terrific uh, opportunities. Cause yeah. Absolutely. It's certainly going to be very interesting to see how they get on. And I'll tell you one game that really springs off the page for me, David, is uh, is uh, Bucky against Inverness because Graham Stewart's team will fancy their chances against the Cali side that aren't playing particularly great at the moment. It's a Highland derby. It could be the makings of a potential banana skin there for Inverness. Definitely. Uh, and Bucky's got terrific players that uh, can, can create an upset. Graham Stewart's big in the fitness side of things, and that was evident when they reached the Highland Cup final back in November. In the term, in the sense that despite the lockdown 1.0 that they had, they, they were very fit. Graham setting them an intense fitness program, and they got a very good victory over Broader Rangers. And yeah, they were lucky against Rothes in the Cup final, but Graham Stewart Spider learned a lot from that game. And yeah, they've had another lockdown. Inverness <coughs> is a winnable game. But Inverness, their, their current opponent in this game will be a Highland Derby in itself against Ross County. For Bucky, it's a case to, it's uh, a, it'll be a privilege within itself to play Premiership opposition in Ross County. That's going to make it a great, of being a brilliant game. Well, this is what I was going to say. Do you think some of the Highland League teams will kind of look into this as this is a free hit? We've got absolutely nothing to lose here because we don't know where our next game is coming from. Good point, actually, because I was late to mention the Highland League in the, the terms and the aspect of I feel the Highland and Woolen League have been disrespected to a degree in terms of like so your Huntleys and your Fermartons and Buckeys and Fazibas and Names. So, yeah, I, I, I do feel for it for the non league clubs that are involved. Uh, but I, I feel it's an opportunity to, to put themselves in the ladder and try and get them results. So, for the clubs with their mental health, well being, and various other things. It allows them to continue on, and it's not like they have to cut, they have to finish with training or finish with, with matches on the basis of a defeat in a cup competition. Uh, in terms of the high league sides, they've, they've got terrific games. I mean, Nairn County's got Montrose, which, yes, Montrose are doing very well, but it's a winnable game for Nairn County. And then, Faze, and then whoever wins that game goes away to Faisabur, and Faisabur is a, a fortress for, for, for teams. Teams hate going to Bellsley. You're, you're doing very well to get a result at Bellsley against a, a very good Facebook team who, who are getting better season upon season. Yes. And then and then you've got for Martin who maybe have been in the, in the st- in, going for a sticky patch, but for Martin will fancy their chance against Stanning and then uh, a good try against Motherwell awaits them. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That will be really exciting as well. Let's uh, let's move on. We'll obviously talk about the Scottish Cup again. I'm doing a special preview show of the Scottish Cup later on. Next week, you can follow that on the SPFL 42 show in due course. Let's quickly review the Scottish Premiership games from Saturday. Livingston, Hamilton 2-1 and Hibs winning away in Ross County. Big results for a couple of reasons, David. Livingston securing their top six place, one. But two, Hamilton and Ross County missing the opportunity to protect perhaps pull themselves clear of safety and certainly pull clear of Kilmarnock at the bottom. Yeah, I'm going to go to Ross County against Hibs first and foremost because it was five years ago uh, past Saturday that uh, Ross County won the League Cup, beating Hibs by two goals to one. Uh, and Ross County are a, an established premiership club now. Roy McGregor's done a, a fantastic job behind the scenes in the aspect that he's put his money where his mouth is in terms of helping the infrastructure go far enough to park because... Whenever you, you go to Ross County, they've got terrific facility, Ockerman Club, and uh, they're very professional in what they do there, up there and doing well. But also, they've got Yogi in there now, who is a charismatic character, and he, he doesn't joke about. He's, he's very... Just says as he is, doesn't he, Yogi? He just says as he is. He's very serious in, in terms of... Correct. But onto the game as a, a, a whole... I feel County have a lot of defensive calamities, uh, which was dictated in the, the, the chances and the goals that Hibs scored because the Hibs, Hibs had a chance through Martin Boyle after three and a half minutes, which was perfectly exposed, leaving Boyle in perfect space, and Leewall uh, got down well to save. You also had uh, the winning goal courtesy of Kevin Nisbet, a great ball through from Paul Hamlin, and there was nobody there, and that Martin Nisbet, and Nisbet had the perfect job of just tapping home from a couple of yards out. But also, I feel Hibs have had defensive hands as well. Right point is he's, he's done very well for Hibs, and I can understand why people are calling for Scotland call-ups, uh, especially after uh, the last Scotland call-up he got, uh, that he got. But I feel he's had a, a few half-hearted performances recently. Mm. Aspect that I watched Hibs get Livingston back in January. I thought he was very poor that day. And the likes of Josh Millen uh, in particular and Scott Robinson, uh, got in behind uh, Porteous. Bullied him, didn't they, I thought? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was the same on Saturday. Two possibilities that could have happened in Ryan Porteous's case. Could have been that he could have chucked the ball out for a throw-in or chucked the ball out, play the ball out from the back and see if Hibbs could take a, a way forward from that. But what Porteous did was just hook the ball forward, invited pressure on, uh, the Ross County player took the ball uh, the ball ended up to Jordan White, uh, and then Billy McKay showed perfect uh, tenacity, perfect awareness, and a good finish alongside that. It was it was absolutely brilliant from a Ross County point of view. I'm pretty sure Jack Ross will not be happy with how the goal was conceded from from a defensive point of view. Uh, yeah. And yeah, on to the Ross County side of things. Hibs had chances through Gogic and Boyle, uh, which. Hibs deserve to win the game, and it could be more than two for Hibs on yep. Saturday. Um, Question for you on Hibs, David. Martin Boyle uh, won a penalty in the game. Was it a penalty? And secondly, later on in the game, could Boyle have consequently seen red because he was already booked? He went down in the box. John Beaton didn't give a card. What was your thoughts on both incidences? John, Yogi Hughes wasn't happy. I'm going to start your question here. Uh, interestingly enough, by saying I thought he should have went for a challenge uh, that wasn't for the dive. Uh, on the other side of the, the puck, uh, I, I felt it was a, a poor challenge. 
for a dive, yeah, as you, as you says, he, he was on the booking and should he have went? Yeah, yes, I think so. Um, and job beatings have been the highlight of controversial instance lately, uh, especially one involved with Rangers lately, uh, Livingston. Well, Fredo Morelos, so, that's right. Mm. Job beatings not been a job beat. So, yeah, job beatings not been without his troubles to seek lately. Um, but no, uh, in terms in terms of referees, and I think I feel Shelley Kerr made a good point at the weekend in the, in the aspect that these referees need to be more consistent. I don't think they get enough analysis based uh, on themselves. It's pretty, mm. I've said I've had this opinion on all levels of the game. It's pretty much go to your game on a Saturday, whatever it is across the country. Um, you, before I walked out, it was a case uh, the the referee observer would come to the referee's room and maybe give a few points. Obviously, because of COVID, you can't do that now. But there would have been a, a situation where that happened, but because of COVID, it's pretty much a case of referees turn up for a game and they might get a bit of scrutiny and controversy, courtesy of us reporters or pundits on the telly or through podcasts after the game. But that's it. Referees are just going to train on a Monday, Tuesday or whenever now and the game's going and they're focusing on their next, next game. Yeah, and then these things are recurring. It's not like these things are getting followed up and, and getting improved. It's a recurring theme, and it's uh, disappointing within itself. But Martin Boyle winning the penalty. He's a he's a pacey player. He's a tricky player. Did he call John Boy John Beaton? Yes, he did. There's no question about that. Correct. But he's a very he's a very pacey player, and he he, he makes things difficult for officials. And he makes things difficult for for visiting players. So. I can understand uh, why why the penalty was given, but uh, it, it wasn't a justified penalty, in my opinion. Uh, it wasn't a dive, but it wasn't a penalty at the same time. Yeah, it's a very interesting win for Hibs, and that puts them six points clear of Aberdeen in third. Let's talk about Livingston, because they secured their top six place the second time in as many seasons. Uh, a great win for them against Hamilton, a couple of really good goals in this game, David, especially J. Emmanuel Thomas's. Definitely, and I thought Carl Smith scored a good goal as well. Uh, Jet was Jet was a sense of flicking the ball up and uh, banging it into the top corner, which takes a superb level of uh, accuracy to do. So, no, that was fantastic. Was it the goal of the season? Questionable. I felt one. Uh, it's it's up for debate where Warren Shanklin's goal gets Johnston back in back at Tanner Dice back in January. Yes. But also, you got uh, Carl Smith. That was a fantastic finish. Uh, and Hamilton, Hamilton plugged the wall there. They're, good, they're a good attacking football inside, and Brian Rice's side will get, will get results. And I pinpointed County there. Uh, that was a big result for Ross County previously, beating Hamilton by two goals to one. On to Hamilton. Um, Hamilton are good in terms of getting that mentality, in terms of staying up, and it will need that for, for, for staying up again this term. Yeah. Hamilton, in my opinion, would be under less pressure, but it'll be the, the same. Pressure for Brian in the sense that there's no there's no hearts in the league this year, um. So the only real competition is now because of the the good form is Johnston, Dungeon and St Mirren respectively, is pretty much Kilmarnock and Ross County, and the saving grace for Chipper is the fact that Kilmarnock uh, haven't had a good season in the sense that Tommy Wright has came in, but he's been plagued the injuries in, in the sense that. He's had Gary Dicker struggling, and he's also had Alan Power struggling as well. So, yeah, probably Knight's not had the struggles, the troubles to seek, and never did uh, Alex Dyer. Uh, and 
Alex Dyer was terrific for Kilmarnock, but I, 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 is there a hint to be positive about if you're a Kilmarnock fan right now, you're struggling? Mm. It's certainly going to be very interesting to see that battle at the bottom develop, and it, I'm really looking forward to seeing that uh, continue into this weekend's fixtures. Go on. Yeah, I was going to say, um, on to Yogi. Yogi will, whenever, whenever Yogi puts a, uh, puts a team out, they'll run through a wall with him. But the big thing for Ross County is they've got to build that wall, in my opinion. Yes. They're so open in the back, I feel they've got to build a wall. And that'll yeah. be the same for another two teams in Hamilton and Comarque as well. They've yeah. got to build a wall now. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's going to be very fascinating. Let's move on to talking about uh, the fixtures for this week's uh, matches. Uh, Dundee are playing Air United on Tuesday night, uh, as we record this on the 15th of March. And Ray Throwers are playing in Vanessa This one, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you will know the results of those games. But David, let's move on to our speed predictions, because I always do this uh, with uh, the guys on the show. Uh, just for regular listeners, um, Callum uh, McFadden is leading on 167 points. But I had a really good week this week. I got uh, nine points and closed the gap on our uh, esteemed leader to just six points. I'm now on 161, and John Bleasdale is on 152. Um, David, let's uh, have a look and let's have a speed prediction on uh, the games this week. Uh, starting with uh, the game on Friday night, Alloa against Dundee, live on the BBC. This was a cracking game early in the season. Alloa were 3-1 up. Dundee came back to get a draw. Give us a prediction, home win, draw, or away win? Away win. I'm going to go score draw. I think Alloa might get something here. Always a difficult place to go the end of the draw. So I'm going to go for a score draw again. There's a final round of matches in the Scottish Premiership. Starting off with the new firm derby, Dundee United against Aberdeen. Now, that's an interesting one because you don't know what Aberdeen is going to be like. Can exactly. Get McCris leaving and Paul Sheeran taking over into the manager. So that's a, that's a questionable one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go away win here. I think Aberdeen might get a win here. I I want to wish Paul Sheeran and uh, Neil Simpson all the best in this short term period. Very strange time for for Aberdeen, but I I, I think they might win this game. Definitely. I, I mean, positive is it positivity is the only way forward now for Aberdeen because things that went stale under Derek McInnes. Uh, there was various reports from most in the changing room, but that would have been disputed by the players because I noticed it was various Instagram posts from players or various social media posts, which in, which in Derek all the very best for the future. So any reports that Derek lost the changing room or things that went, things had went to plan uh, were false. Derek had a terrific eight years. And yeah. It's all it's all to Paul, Paul, uh, your Simpson and Barry Robson to go and turn things around now. Regarding uh, for the for the Aberdeen manager, who's that new Aberdeen manager? Time will tell. Uh, it's up for debate. But mm-hmm. I, I wish, I wish Paul, Barry, and uh, Neil all the very best. Give us a prediction: home win, away win, or draw here for for Aberdeen. Did you write Aberdeen? Yeah, yeah, away win. Oh, you're going to go away win. Okay, now huge game uh, for Hamilton. They face Saint Mirren at New Douglas Park, or the Fountains of Youth Stadium, as we're now supposed to call it. Score draw. I'm going to go St Mullen to win this game uh, to consolidate that sixth place because, of course, St Johnston can usurp them if uh, St Mullen don't get the desired result at Aki's. But I think St Mullen will win this game narrowly. Now, a huge game at the bottom Kilmarnock Mullow. Are we, man? 
I am really tempted to go for Tommy Knight to get his first win as Killy Boss, but I'm going to go score draw. I'm, I think they might get another point. Um, I think Motherwell have been improving. I think Kilmarnock really need more than just Kyle Lafferty to score their goals. Um, Livingston against Hibs. This could be an interesting game. Of course, both teams, the way team has won the last two encounters. Hibs, of course, winning 4-1 here on the season, but Livingston winning 3-0 at uh, Easter Road not too long ago. It's a funny one because Livingston had a, a big win on Saturday and it was a big win because they did. top six players. Home win. You're going home win. I, I'm going to go home win as well. I think Livingston might win this as well. Um, St Johnston, Ross County. I'm going to go St Johnston to win this game. Yeah, home win. Yeah, home win. Let's move into the uh, the championship. Uh, Arbroath against Hearts. Hearts win. Away win. Yeah, I think so. I think Hearts will win this game as well. Ear United against Wraith Rovers. Now, the Drew 0-0 last Tuesday at Starks Park. Yeah. Um, aye, I think Hopkins will get his first three points on Saturday. Ooh, if he doesn't win at Dundee tomorrow night, that is. Big shout, big shout. I, I'm going to go draw on this game. I, I'm going to go draw. Why, why, why? Because Wraith Rovers aren't playing too well at the minute. But this yeah. could be the resurrection for Wraith Rovers. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be very interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go score draw here. Dunfermline against Inverness. Dunfermline play very well, just now, so I'm going to go home win. Yeah, I'm going to go Dunfermline to win as well. Morton against Queen of the South at Cabalo. That's an interesting one because Queen of the South were well informed before Saturday. So mm. That's an interesting one within itself. I'm going to go score draw on this one. Uh, I'm going to also go score draw. Um, I'm not going to save my score, but I think it'll be an entertaining game. Couple of interesting games in League One: Clyde East Fife, Dumbarton, Forfar, Falkirk, Montrose, Parry Thistle, Cool Rangers, and Peterhead Airdrieians. What's your standout game there, David? Um, there's a few. Uh, for me, Peterhead Airdrieans is a big game because uh, Airdrie will be looking to to make a promotion push, whether that's through the Championship or or the the playoff route. But Airdrie, they're doing a hyper. Uh, I don't know what right right what's called, but they're They've got a mix of full-time and part-time, so Ian yeah. Murray will be keen to get promotion this term, and uh, Peter Hedaway is the, the, a perfect opportunity to go get three points, but it's also a good opportunity for Jim McAnally to go get a good win against a good side, so uh, that, that's got to make it a, a good game for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my game that really interests me is uh, Montrose going to Falkirk. I think Montrose have been really much a breath of fresh air this season under Stuart Petrie. And, you know, Falkirk have been uh, doing okay still top at the moment. But, you know, Montrose on their day could very much uh, um, cause problems. Give us one prediction from that five games that you think might happen this weekend. Uh, You're going no, to to win in both teams to score. Correct. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was what you were reading there. Uh, I, I'm going to go for Partick Thistle and Cove both to score um, in that game. I think that could be a really entertaining game at Fur Hill. Let's move into League Two. Annan Athletic play Cowden Beath. Elgin City play Edinburgh City. Sonar travel to Queen's Park. Steny Smear. Hello, Steny fans. Uh, playing Albion Rovers and Stellan Albion against Brecon City. What's your standout games there, David? Elgin gets Edinburgh for me because Elgin uh, are doing very well. Kane Hester's been the subject of interest from Dundee and very much justified because he's been doing well for Elgin in replacement of Shane Sunderland, who's obviously in Inverness now. And Edinburgh will be a breath of fresh air with Granny Naismith coming in. So, no, that's the big game for me. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is the big game for me too. I'm going to plump my neck on the line here. I'm going to go for Elgin to win this game and over two and a half goals. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny this one because my best mate plays for Elgin, so I better watch what I'm saying here. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go for a score draw. Interesting, interesting. Well, you can score draw for me. Well, you can keep an eye on uh, David and I's thoughts uh, on this week's fixtures by following the show at the SPFL42 on Twitter. You can also check out Callum McFadden and John Bleasdale's predictions against myself on the SPFL42 on Twitter and follow our predictions. David, we're coming to the end of the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, you being uh, my uh, sub-in guest tonight um, for doing this. I've really enjoyed the chat. What is the uh, week planned for you and obviously the build-up to Farmington coming back as well? You must have a busy few weeks ahead. Um, funnily enough, it's not as busy as I would want it to be, uh, and I'll explain why. I'm, I'm working the aspect that I'm covered, still going to be covering games for not the old GRB media, not the old firm. So it's good that way in, in terms of I've still got various freelance journalism work, and that will keep me busy, that will keep me productive. I'm also going to be working with various podcasts. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give any guests away. I'll let you find out uh, when people find it for themselves. Um Gun farming, yeah, we we're do, things are different because of testing. So usually, if I was to be at training, I'd be on the pitch. But yeah. I'm lucky in the aspect that I don't have to do any testing, so uh, it's a stand only for me. So, but I actually prefer the stand because it allows me to go and focus, look at training from a, a different eye eye point and a different perspective. Yeah, things were completely different and. Uh, the club handled it very well, as have the other SWPL one teams, because we've football back, we've got been doing everything by protocol, by the letter, as have the various teams have as well. Uh, they've all followed everything by the letter. And the, the the majority of COVID cases have all come from shopping and various um, things indoors, rather than the, the football or the sport uh, side of things. So, no. Everybody involved in the sports, whether it's football, rugby, tennis, or various other sports for that matter, deserve huge praise. Yeah, absolutely, David. Well, I, I wish you very well. That, that my guest uh, um, tonight, David uh, Smith, media manager for for Farmington, writes about football for not the old firm, her football hub, and football CFB. You can follow David uh, on Twitter at Dave O nineteen ninety five. Um, does some really great content, does some really great stuff, both for Farmington and for his other outlets. So do check out David's content. I'll be back soon with another SPFL 42 show. We'll be doing a, a Scottish Cup special. Um, more on that in due course. And of course, I'll be back very soon with Cal McFadden and others uh, for more episodes of the SPFL 42 show. But that's it uh, for another episode of this, the SPFL 42 show. Um, until next time, David, thanks very much for being on the show tonight. Thanks, Scott. And thanks very much to everybody else uh, for tuning in. Bye-bye for now.